0: Welcome to the Truth Hurts Program. Opinions expressed here are protected free speech under the First Amendment to the United States Constitution. We apologize if you are offended, but we retract nothing. I'm Steve Z. Let's get started. Good afternoon, everybody. It is Friday, the 8th day of January 2021. We've got a lot of headlines to go over with you. And a lot of this stuff is absolutely, utterly, completely biased and ridiculous. And you'll notice one very important thing. Each and every newspaper, each and every website, each and every news media outlet, radio and television, are once again using the same scripted language to lie directly to you, as if to make you believe that Donald Trump got up and told everybody on Wednesday, I want you to go storm the Capitol and destroy the place. We'll show them. But yet, with all of this false narrative being projected and being presented by the media, we have yet to hear it firsthand, one time, one moment of video or audio tape, one copy of one piece of paper showing that President Donald Trump did indeed do what they're accusing him of doing. The fact is, the truth is, Donald Trump did not incite the riots. Donald Trump did not instruct people to crash the Capitol. Donald Trump did not tell people to go to the Capitol and break in and do property damage, and injure people. And yet, according to Travel and Leisure magazine, a reporter named Allison Fox writes, Pro-Trump rioters who stormed the U.S. Capitol should be added to the federal no-fly list, the chair of the House Committee on Homeland Security said on Thursday. The call to ban those who breach the Capitol building from flying came as airlines began to step up security for flights in and out of the nation's capital and as American Airlines ceased serving alcohol on flights in the area. And it also followed reports of passengers allegedly demonstrating politically motivated aggression on flights to D.C. prior to the riot. We haven't seen a single one of these videos surfacing where these false claims have been proven.
1: Given the heinous domestic terrorist attack on the U.S. Capitol yesterday, I am urging the Transportation Security Administration and
0: the Federal Bureau of Investigation to use their authorities to add the names of all identified individuals involved in the attack to the federal no-fly list and keep them off planes. This was said by Representative Benny G. Thompson, a Democrat from Mississippi, the chairman of the Committee on Homeland Security. His statement continued, This should include all individuals identified as having entered the Capitol building, an intrusion which threatened the safety of the members of Congress and staff and served as an attack on our nation. Alleged perpetrators of a domestic terrorist attack who have been identified by the FBI should be held accountable. The FBI did put out a request for help in identifying people related too violent activity in the Capitol building. Thompson's call echoed that of Sarah Nelson, the president of the Association of Flight Attendants. Nelson told Reuters, the mob mentality behavior that took place on several flights to the D.C. area yesterday was unacceptable and threatened the safety and security of every single person on board, acts against our democracy, of our government, and of freedom we claim as Americans must disqualify these individuals from the freedom of flight. Yeah, whatever. Once again, please show us some proof. Otherwise, it's just your word and the media's word against what? Nothing. While it was not immediately clear if the rioters would be placed on a no-fly list, at least one airline was debating banning them. Alaska Airlines said more than a dozen passengers could be barred from flying with that carrier in the future if they refused to wear masks, if they were rowdy or argumentative. They harassed the crew on a flight from Dulles International Airport to Seattle-Tacoma International Airport on Thursday night. (laughs) I don't remember one single call for banning BLM rioters from the ability to fly in the United States. I don't remember one single call to ban Antifa rioters from a single flight. Or to put them on the no fly list. I don't remember NFAC rioters being banned. Many of those were identified. The double standard continues. Steve Z and the Truth Hurts Program. According to a poll, this in the Hill, a majority of Republican voters surveyed in a new YouGov Direct poll. Believe that president-elect Mopy Dopey Gropey Joe Biden is actually to blame for the group of alleged Trump supporters who stormed the Capitol on Wednesday. That poll surveyed nearly 1,450 registered voters on the events of Wednesday's storming of the Capitol. And in that poll, 52% of those identified as Republican say that it was Joe Biden who was the biggest culprit instead of Donald Trump. Only 26% of Republican voters blame the president for inciting the violence. 26 other percent pointed fingers at congressional members who vowed to block the official tally of Biden's win, which is their right. See, because this was against Biden, they're making it sound like this is the first time any congressional members have ever tried to block the Electoral College vote. Oh, how soon they forget, or how soon they sweep it under the rug and don't want you to remember. During the 2000 election, it was Democrats in Congress who argued and rallied against the Electoral College vote. In 2016, it was Democrats again who rallied in Congress to vote against the Electoral College vote. Remember, they were calling for the abolishment of the Electoral College in 2016 because they thought it was unfair that Donald Trump got into office. They wanted to do away with the Electoral College when it was convenient for them. And now they want to make out any Republican congressperson who speaks out against this year's election in the Electoral College. They want to call them riot stirrers. Now, there's a lie in this article here, and I'm still waiting for the proof. If you could please provide me with the proof, I'll change my mind and apologize on this particular program. This article says, Ahead of the events at the Capitol, Trump urged protesters at a rally earlier Wednesday to march on Capitol Hill as lawmakers met for the final official count of the Electoral College votes, affirming gropy Joe Biden as their president. Let's hear the audio. Let's see the video, please. Somebody show it to me, because otherwise it didn't happen. He did not urge anyone to break into the Capitol and to perform acts of property damage, physical assault, battery, destruction of property. Steve Z and the Truth Hurts program and the social media platforms owned by Mark Zuckerberg, you know, Fakebook. Those others, like Twatter, at some point, they decided they were going to censor the president of the United States, Donald J. Trump. And now, supposedly, there is a since-removed video that the president shared on Twitter in which he allegedly repeated claims of a stolen election when urging his supporters to act peacefully. They removed that. They don't want that evidence out there that he wanted peaceful protesting to occur. Republicans were divided on their support Wednesday with 45% of GOP registered voters saying they actively supported the actions of demonstrators, 43 opposing. Among all voters, nearly two thirds say they strongly oppose the actions of those who stormed the Capitol. Well, yeah, so do I. I don't think anybody should have stormed the Capitol. But I don't think Donald Trump told anyone to storm the Capitol. There's been no evidence presented to that effect. None whatsoever. On Thursday, the Metropolitan Police Department in Washington, D.C. identified dozens of people that they are now accusing of, quote, unlawful entry at the Capitol, unquote. Police announced that many of the rioters had dispersed, but four people have Died, including a woman who was shot by a Capitol Police officer. Three other fatalities occurred due to separate medical emergencies, and this just in, a Capitol Police officer now has allegedly died as well of injuries that he allegedly received during that particular Wednesday riot. Among voters surveyed in the UGOV poll, 50% agree with removing the president from office immediately, while 40%, 42% rather, say that that move would be inappropriate. 85% of Republicans in that poll strongly oppose any move to remove the president in his last 11 days in office. Survey conducted Wednesday evening reported 3.3% margin of error Let me tell you, folks, they're going to do everything and anything they can to keep Mr. Trump from running again in 2024. There's another article out that says Joe Biden is calling for the speeding up of the release of covid shots. While the new groper elect believes we must accelerate distribution of the vaccine while continuing to ensure that Americans who need it the most get it as soon as possible. He supports releasing available doses immediately and believes the government should stop holding back vaccine supply for the second required dose and instead just give everybody one dose. Sure, Joe. Is that your professional medical opinion? I thought it was a requirement that you get the second shot because one was not going to be enough. Where's your buddy, Tony? Tony Fauci? To give you advice on whether or not we should give a hundred million people one shot or fifty million people's two shots. Dr. Biden. Oh, that would be your wife. But not really a doctor. Steve Z and the Truth Hurts Program. And because we haven't mentioned the Horseface's name recently, Alexandria Horseface Ocasio Cortez has slammed Lindsey Graham. Because he calls for the nation to simply move on without impeachment. Horseface herself tore into Senator Lindsey Graham on Twitter. Ooh, he got Twitter swatted. This happened today on Friday after he tweeted his disapproval of any motion to impeach Trump following the riots that Trump had nothing to do with on the Capitol on Wednesday. Graham tweeted Friday, As President Donald Trump stated last night, it's time to heal and move on. If Speaker Pelosi pushes impeachment in the last days of the Trump presidency, it will do more harm than good. I'm hopeful President-elect Biden sees the damage that would be done from such action. You see, Pelosi again has suggested that House House members should hurry up and impeach the president. If Vice President Michael Pence and cabinet members declined to invoke the 25th Amendment to remove Trump from office immediately. Horseface Cortez responded to Graham's tweets by calling him out for defending the president, who many Democrats have condemned as responsible for inciting Wednesday's riots, without one solitary shred of evidence to that effect, without one moment of videotape, without one second of audio tape, and with nothing written. They just all got together and said, let's get together and blame Trump for the riots that they most likely incited themselves. Horseface Cortez wrote, move on, moving on does not mean forget about it. Moving on requires accountability. Attacking our nation without recourse or responsibility isn't moving on. A Capitol police officer just died. Why are you defending this? Graham, being the bigger man, did not rem- uh, immediately respond to Horseface Cortez's tweet, but he did continue on a thread on Twitter stating that impeachment would indeed be unsuccessful in the Senate. January 8, 2021, at Lindsey Graham SC says, as President real Donald Trump stated last night, it's time to heal and move on. If Speaker Pelosi pushes impeachment in the last days of the Trump presidency, it will do more harm than good. I'm hopeful President-elect Biden sees the damage that would be done from such action. Speaker Pelosi is hanging by a political thread, and Senator Schumer lives in fear of a primary from the radical left. It is up to President-elect Biden to step in and allow the nation to heal. Biden struggled to read from his teleprompter on Wednesday evening. He called on Trump to respond after a supposed pro-Trump mob swarmed the Capitol complex while Congress prepared to confirm the electoral votes. This action, by people claiming to be Trump supporters, forced lawmakers to shelter and evacuate and delayed the vote count by a few hours. Biden said... Let me be
1: very clear, the scenes of chaos of capitalism do not reflect a true America, do not represent who we are. We're a scenes small every stream, it's decade of lawlessness. This is not dissent, this is disorder, this is chaos. It borders on sedition, it must end now.
0: I'll translate that into non garbled English for you. Gropey mopey dopey sleepy creepy touchy feely, Joe Biden said Let me be very clear. The scenes of chaos at the Capitol do not reflect a true America, do not represent who we are. We are seeing a small number of extremists dedicated to lawlessness. This is not dissent. It's disorder. It's chaos. It borders on sedition, and it must end now. On Thursday, President Trump again called for calm and said he is focused on moving forward with an orderly transfer of power. Democrats and leftists in the media, they don't want that to happen. They want to see this man dragged out by the cops. They want to make sure he cannot possibly run again in 2024, nor can any of his children or anyone else that he might suggest. Meanwhile, Congress has been debating pandemic economic relief since those first $1,200 stimulus checks went out to a few Americans back in March. When the second relief bill passed in December and the new administration headed into Washington with a $600 second round, the question looms, will a third round of checks now be just around the corner? For millions of Americans, it's been a painful waiting game. At a campaign rally in Georgia this week for John Ossoff and Raphael Warnock to turn the Senate blue, Joe Biden made a promise. He looked at the camera, shook his little feeble fist and said, If John Ossoff and Raphael Warnock turn the Senate blue, more checks would be on the way. Said President-elect Biden, quote, their election would put an end
1: to the block in Washington on that $2,000 stimulus check.
0: That money will go out the door immediately to people who are in real trouble, according to gropey, mopey, dopey Joe Biden. So with both Democrats having won those Senate runoff races, what happens now? Democrats will control the Senate, but by a very slim majority, by virtue, really, of the incoming Vice President Kamala Toe Harris being a tie-breaking vote. A lot of moderate senators are still going to have a big influence on what gets passed and what does not. The big question may not necessarily be over whether or not to give certain stimulus or relief. It's over the particular details of who gets it, when, and how. It will be at least two more weeks before the new Congress and President comes in. And however long it takes after that, we'll just have to wait and see. And when it comes right down to those $2,000 stimulus checks, Democrat West Virginian Senator Joe Manchin voiced firm opposition to providing $2,000 stimulus checks, putting that moderate lawmaker at odds directly with President-elect gropy Joe Biden, with Congressional Democrats, and even a few Republicans. Manchin told The Washington Post in an interview published today, Friday, quote, Absolutely not. No. Getting people vaccinated is job number one. How is the money that we invest now going to help us best get jobs back and get people employed? And I can't tell you that sending another check out is going to do that to a person that's already got a check. The COVID-19 relief bill recently signed into law has delivered $600 checks to many Americans whose income is $75,000 or less. That was the last second push by Donald Trump to raise that amount to $2,000, but it was blocked in the Senate with mopey, dopey, sleepy, creepy, touchy-feely Joe Biden set to take office in 11 or 12 days and Democrats to take the Senate majority the day after. Well, there's now supposedly new momentum for more stimulus checks. Chuckles the clown Schumer, who's poised to become the majority leader, even though I still don't understand how 48 gives him a majority over the 50 on the other side. He said over the tip of his glasses, One of the first things that I want to do when our new senators are seated is deliver the $2,000 checks to American families. It's not clear Manchin's opposition would be fatal to the bill, because some Republican senators have publicly backed larger checks. But unless Senate Democrats use special budgetary rules to avoid a filibuster, it's not clear they could win 60 votes of support. After Biden is inaugurated, both parties will effectively hold 50 seats with Harris breaking ties. But they'd still need 10 more Republicans to sign on. President Donald Trump announced today he will not be attending mopey, dopey, gropey Joe Biden's inauguration. That shatters another norm of the American presidency on what will be Donald Trump's final day in office. Your president, Donald Trump, wrote on Twitter 12 days before inauguration day, to those of you who have asked, I will not be going to the inauguration on January 20th. With that decision, Trump is poised to become the first US president in modern history to not appear for his successor's swearing-in ceremony, which is one of the nation's most prominent public displays of its commitment to a peaceful transfer of power. Three other former presidents declined to attend the inauguration of their White House successors, John Adams in 1801, his son John Quincy Adams in 1829, and Andrew Johnson in 1869. Of course, Nixon, who resigned in 74 under threat of impeachment, was not present when Gerald R. Ford was subsequently sworn in. Vice President Mike Pence is expected to attend the inauguration. According to an article in Politico, George W. Bush will also be there. Barack Hussein Barry Sotero Obama will be there, as well as Cigar Bill Clinton. Jimmy Carter, the former president, Democrat, is 96 years old, and he said he would not be attending. Biden said previously, while he does not personally care whether Trump attends or not, the outgoing president should show show up for the sake of the nation and its image on the world stage. According to Biden, Trump's presence is important in a sense where it will do demonstrate the end of chaos is created and peaceful transfer of power compete parties down there shaking hands and moving on protocols transfer of power I think is important but it's totally his decision no important consequence to me I don't think I'd do it for the country what Biden said on the teleprompter of course that Trump's presence is important in a sense that we're able to demonstrate at the end of this chaos that he's created, that there is a peaceful transfer of power with competing parties standing there shaking hands and moving on. The protocol of the transfer of power I think is important, but it is totally his decision and it's of no personal consequence to me, but I do think it is for the country.
1: Oh, Trump's not going to be there for Biden to point his finger at him and say, ha, 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 I beat you (laughs) away.
0: Speaker of the House Nasty Nancy Pelosi told House members on Friday that she called the Joint Chiefs of Staff Chairman Mark Milley to ask what was being done to prevent Donald Trump from accessing nuclear launch codes, as she called the president unhinged. Her move comes after calling for Vice President and the Cabinet to go ahead and invoke the 25th Amendment and force Trump out of office in the wake of what she accused him of doing, inciting his supporters at the Capitol to storm the Capitol. She said in a letter to House Democrats, This morning I spoke to Chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff, Mark Milley, to discuss available precautions for preventing an unstable president from initiating military hostilities, or accessing the launch codes and ordering a nuclear strike. As you know, there is a growing momentum around the invocation of the 25th Amendment, which will allow the Vice President and a majority of the Cabinet to remove the President for his incitement of insurrection and the danger he still poses. Many congressional Democrats and one Republican have called for the removing of Trump immediately The 25th Amendment allows the vice president and a majority of the executive cabinet to force the president out by declaring him, quote, unable to discharge the powers and duties
1: of his office,
0: unquote. In that case, Mike Pence would take over as the Republican president for a dozen days. Now, if that fails and Pence does the right thing and does not try to remove Trump, Pelosi said Congress will move immediately to impeach and remove Trump for his dangerous and seditious acts. If the
2: president does not leave office eminently and willingly, the Congress will proceed with our action.
0: Supposedly, according to Business Insider, Mitch McConnell reportedly never wants to speak to Trump again. After the Capitol riot, Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell has reportedly said he never wants to speak to the president again following the violent insurrection at the U.S. Capitol on Wednesday. The president has been accused of inciting the riot by urging his supporters at a rally on Wednesday night to fight and march on the Capitol where Congress was counting the electoral votes finalizing sleepy-creepy, mopey-dopey, little-girl-gropey Joe Biden's victory in the November election. Your president, Donald Trump, has spent months spinning his theory that voter fraud and election rigging was going on. He insisted that the race was stolen from him and that he is indeed the rightful winner. At a rally Wednesday, the president reiterated those claims and said, We will never concede, as his supporters cheered. Then a bunch of people, supposedly Trump supporters, but none who fit the actual profile when compared to the photographs of the hundreds of thousands of actual Trump supporters, throngs of people, subsequently stormed the Capitol building, clashed with Capitol police, broke into the building, and they say ransacked lawmakers' offices. I saw a few papers scattered about on the floors. I saw a clown who was dressed like an Antifa rioter walking around with a podium, like a moron. Hours after the building was secured and Congress reconvened, Mitch McConnell condemned
1: the rioters. He said, We, a United States Senate, will not be intimidated. We will not be kept out of this chamber by thugs, mobs, or threats. We will not bow to lawlessness or intimidation. We are back at our posts. We will discharge our duty under the Constitution for our nation. Even during an ongoing armed rebellion and a civil war, the clockwork of our democracy has carried on. The United States and the United States Congress have faced down much greater threats than the unhinged crowd we saw today. They tried to disrupt our democracy. They failed. This failed insurrection only underscores how crucial the task before us is for our republic. So I guess saying, hey, we're not gonna concede, y'all. We need to continue this fight. We need to win.
0: We need to prove about this election fraud. Suddenly that means he was inciting riots? Nowhere in his speech, nowhere in his commentary, nowhere in any recorded statements or videos did Donald Trump tell a single person that I want you to break into the White House and I want you to attack people and I want you to tear up offices and commit property damage. Remember, it was Donald Trump who all last year called for calm, called for peace, called for law and order when actual riots were going on in Portland, in Seattle, in Minneapolis, in Kenosha, in Louisville, in St. Louis, and other cities around the nation. Cities who were actually being burned to the ground Buildings destroyed, torched, windows smashed, doors pulled off of their hinges, fences torn down, police cars burned in the streets, people jumping on and hitting cars with baseball bats, people being attacked in the streets, at restaurants and cafes, people being mugged, beaten. Those were indeed riots incited by Democrats! And yet, you do not see any call for those people to be prosecuted. You don't see any call for those people to be placed on the no fly list. You don't see anyone calling for the governors and the mayors of those Democrat controlled cities to be forced out of office. The double standard is indeed alive and kicking, folks, and it's kicking the conservative movement in this nation and the Republicans square in the cojones. A kick to the nuts. And how will the Republicans and the conservatives respond? Hmm. They'll likely bend over and take it up the rear. Because if they don't, they'll be accused of racism or this ism or that ism. And meanwhile, our nation falls farther and farther into the throes of socialism, communism, Marxism, Nazism. Biden-ism. We'll be right back. Before leaving office, former President Barack Hussein Barry Sotero Obama awarded the nation's highest civilian honor the Presidential Medal of Freedom to his vice president, touchy-feely, mopey, dopey, little girl, gropey Joseph R. Biden. In President Donald Trump's final days, Trump has presented similar honors to California Representative Devin Nunes, who was one of his most vocal supporters during the first impeachment attempt. He also awarded it to three professional golfers. To his vice president, Mike Pence, Trump bestowed the label, coward. The staunchly loyal Mike Pence was excoriated by Trump on Wednesday for Pence's refusal to intervene to prevent Congress from certifying the results of the election that Trump lost. Trump tweeted in a post that was later removed by Twitter on Wednesday evening, Mike Pence didn't have the courage to do what should have been done to protect our country and our Constitution. Trump also barred Pence's chief of staff, Mark Short, from the White House. Short told Real Clear Politics that the president is blaming him for his advice to the vice president. Now, Pence is an honorable man. You must agree with that. He's not spoken publicly about the rift between he and the president in the past couple of weeks. Looking at Mike Pence and listening to him and watching his speeches over the years, not just as vice president, but in his other public roles. I would not think Mike Pence has a mean bone in his body. He looks like a very even-keeled, even-tempered kind of guy. But Senator Jim Inhofe told the Tulsa World on Wednesday, quote, he's never seen Pence as angry as he was today, unquote. The Oklahoma Republican told USA Today that he talked to Pence about Trump's rebuke. Pence, he said, was, quote, very upset with the president, unquote. Trump's public denunciation of his vice-president is unprecedented in the history of the modern vice-presidency, according to scholars. It comes after more than four years of Mike Pence showing extreme deference to the president, leading critics to decry him as an obsequious enabler of a volatile president. Scholar of vice-presidential history Joel Goldstein said Trump's turning on Pence is particularly striking... Given Vice President Pence's loyalty to the president's, which some would regard as having been excessive in the history of the office. a person close to Pence, who was not authorized to speak publicly, of course, meaning they're making this up, said that while Pence's team is expected Trump to be upset, Trump's behavior was a shock to everyone. That person said it's really unclear how the dynamic between the president and the vice president will work going forward. Who cares? There's less than a dozen days in the Trump-Pence administration. Some people have speculated that Donald Trump might step down at the last minute so that Pence could issue a pardon to him, but that's very less likely now, especially with the snub. Calls have increased to replace Trump through the 25th Amendment which includes a never used mechanism for a vice president and cabinet to seize control away from a sitting US president. With the rift, I wouldn't think that Pence would be inclined to turn around and pardon Trump. But hey, it's Washington DC politics. Anything's available. Everything's on the table. It is very likely that Mike Pence will continue to do his duty to defend the Constitution of the United States. And after January 20th, Pence will have lots of time to reflect on the loyalty he showed to Trump for four years and what that loyalty's eventual cost to Pence might actually be. And finally this afternoon, a bill reintroduced in the House of Representatives this week to create a commission to examine reparations for the 13% Black African American double A hyphenated American crowd, who claim to be descendants of slavery, is being seen by many as an early test of President-elect Gropy Joe Biden and Vice President Kamalto Harris's proclaimed commitment to tackling quote structural oppression unquote. A commission of 13 people will be tasked with examining the history of slavery in the United States and the so-called systemic racism that resulted, including the federal and state governments' roles in supporting it, and to recommend appropriate remedies to Congress. This bill is known as H.R. 40 and was reintroduced Monday by Representative Sheila Jackson Lee, a Texas Democrat woman. A woman named Mary Frances Berry, a professor of history at the University of Pennsylvania said of Biden and Harris, quote, given the role that black people played in the election, getting him nominated and saving his campaign, there's no reason they shouldn't support this bill. This is one of the best ways to make good on a promise to attack systemic racism and white supremacy and elevate the economic and social condition of black people. Support for this reparations bill has grown steadily since it was introduced in 1989 by John Conyers, a Democrat of Michigan, with 23 representatives co-sponsoring it. Conyers reintroduced it every year until he died in 2019 when Ms. Lee went head on and reintroduced it. The bill now supposedly has 173 co-sponsors. But despite such support, the bill has yet to be brought to a full vote. Lee calls the bill a crucial piece of legislation cause it goes beyond exploring the economic implication of slavery and segregation. The call for reparation represents a commitment to entering the constructive dialogue in the role of slavery and racism in shaping present day conditions in our community and American society. It's a holistic bill in the sense that it seeks to establish a commission to also examine the moral and social implication of slavery. Mopey dopey little girl gropey pandering race baiting Joe Biden has not endorsed the bill by name, but he has supported a study of what form reparations could take. A statement on the Biden-Harris website says the administration will address the systemic racism that persists across our institutions today. And in his victory speech, Biden promised to have black Americans back. That commitment, however, has been long tainted by his role in the 1994 crime bill which disproportionately affect black communities, throwing thousands, if not tens, if not hundreds of thousands of black men in jail when he was a senator in Delaware. Of course, when called out on it. He says the bill, parts of it at least, were a mistake. But he still defends the legislation more broadly. One critic highlighted Biden's apparent career-long commitments to austerity and policing as a solution to our social problems. During the campaign, he faced heat even from his own vice president, Kamala Harris, on his record of school desegregation. Experts say getting H.R. 40 passed presents an opportunity for Gropey Joe to repair his legacy on race and for Harris to change her own standing with people who have criticized her record while she was the attorney general in California. If they were to do this, it would go a long way towards removing the bad taste some black people have in their mouths over having to support Biden and Harris. Now, you might think the whole concept of reparations is something new. The first effort for reparations was introduced in 1865, two years after slavery was abolished. They wanted to redistribute hundreds of thousands of acres of land to newly freed black families. Lincoln's successor, Andrew Johnson, quickly overturned that order. It would be more than a century before reparations legislation would be formally introduced by John Conyers in Congress. Leaders in Congress have acknowledged the atrocities of slavery over the years, and Congress in 2009 issued a formal government apology on the impacts of slavery and Jim Crow-era laws on the Blafrican-American population. In 2019, the conversation became a topic of debate as the 2019 Democrats battled for the presidential nomination. But have no fear if H.R. 40 doesn't get passed through under Biden, Talk of reparations is not only happening at the national level, some Democrat-controlled cities and some state leaders have offered reparations through funding black business ownership to increasing access to housing for black African Americans. Critics say that although these efforts may appear beneficial, distribution of wealth would be more helpful than simply making inequitable systems more accessible to black people. In 2015, organizers in Chicago fought successfully for an ordinance that would provide reparations to dozens of people tortured under a Chicago police commander in the 1970s through the 1990s. Reparations have, of course, gone in and out of the headlines in recent years, but this summer's protests following the death of the criminal George Floyd and the criminal accomplice Brianna Taylor have thrust the topic once again into the spotlight. The manner in which Gropey Joe and Cameltoe engage the conversation on reparations, and H.R. 40 specifically, could foreshadow what black people can expect from the administration in the coming years. I've said it before, boys and girls, and I'll say it again. Not a single, solitary person in the United States of America living today was ever a slave or ever owned a slave. Not a single person's parent alive today in the United States of America was ever a slave or ever owned a slave. Not a single person's grandparent or great-grandparent was ever a slave or ever owned a slave. I would think you'd have to go back several generations to find anyone who was ever a slave. Reparations may have been owed to the actual slaves back then. But my family didn't get to this country till the 1900s. And I'm white. And I don't think that makes my white privilege something that would be required to give reparations to some AA 13% hyphenated American minority member who has no proof that he, she, or it was ever the descendant of an actual slave. Do you think black people stopped coming to America after the slave trade ended? Is it possible that white people arrived in the United States long after slavery ended? Sure it is. I cannot see any reasonable scenario that would place a burden upon Caucasians living in the U.S. of A. to give financial resources to double-A hyphenated Blafrican-American looking people or people who claim to have 132nd Blafrican-American blood simply because they make a claim. But then again, this is America in the 21st century, in the year 2021, where we have a Democrat-controlled presidency, Democrat-controlled House, Democrat-controlled Senate, and a ballsless Supreme Court, led by a socialist sympathizer. Although I cannot advocate that you do not go ahead and pay your taxes, I will say this. I will use every means at my disposal to make sure that every dollar of my income is reported in a proper fashion so as to keep me from having to pay high income taxes or other taxes associated with any proposed plan that might consider reparations for the 13% AA crowd. I've never owned a slave. Therefore, I do not owe anyone a dime in reparations for something that happened and ended over 160 years ago. That's going to do it for this afternoon's edition of the Truth Hurts program. If what I say offends you, tough noogies. I'm not here to make you happy. I'm not here to give you warm milk and rub your belly. I'm not here to agree with everything you want me to agree with. Some of the things said on this program may be offensive to some of you. If you're offended, I apologize, but I retract nothing. For nothing said here. Well, none of it was wrong. It is the truth. And sometimes the truth hurts. We'll see you next time.
1: Just in time for the holidays. It's a movie that we've all been expecting. Christmas Resident Evil.
2: Hey, Billy. How's it going? Fine, Tony. How are you? Great. I just got my COVID vaccine. Did it hurt? Nah, I got mine like Nancy Pelosi got hers. What do you mean? Well, they didn't even take the orange cap off the needle. I didn't feel a thing. Really? Not even a little prick? No, silly. Joe Biden wasn't there. (laughs) Get it? (laughs) Little prick. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I got it. Are you going to get the vaccine? No, not right away. I want to see if there are a lot of side effects in people who actually do get stuck. Side effects? Yeah, they're showing more and more people with nasty side effects on social media. Like what? What kind of side effects? Well, there's facial paralysis, like Bell's palsy. There's persistent coughing, fever, body aches, joint pain, tiredness, dry mouth, stomach cramps, diarrhea, vomiting, chills, itchy, watery eyes, leg pain, and even death. Death? Like people are really dying? Yep. One guy died the day after his vaccination d d died died from the vaccination? Well, no, not technically. He got hit by a bus. But it's the same thing as those people who got killed in car crashes having their causes of death listed as COVID, right? So it's pretty much the same thing. Wow. Hey, by the way, what are you doing tonight? I think I'm going to binge watch the entire Resident Evil movie franchise. You know, the one with Mila Jovovich? That series about a wild T-virus that gets unleashed on the public and then they come up with a vaccine and it's worse than the virus? And then the virus mutates and everyone starts turning into shut-ins and zombies and killing each other? You want to come watch with me? Nah, sounds like we're already experiencing Resident Evil right here in America. We'll see you later, bud. Okay, man. Have a great day.
0: Christmas Resident Evil in America. Brought to you by the Wuhan China novel coronavirus 2019 vaccines. Coming to a needle near you.
2: These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Yet here we are, making claims that this product is a panacea, a cure-all, and the end-all-be-all of science and medical miracles. And here you are, believing all this crap. Just send us some money, so we can send you some sugar pills, snake oil, and a big old box of nothing. Thank you.
0: Hi there, it's Steve Z. Your host of the Truth Hurts program. If you want to contact us, our Twitter handle is at Hertz Program. That's the at Sign Hertz Program on Twitter. If you have an idea, a comment, or an opinion you wish to share with the Truth Hertz program, drop us an email at thetrutherts program at gmail.com. And make it a great day. Thank you for listening to The Truth Hurts with Steve Z. We look forward to our next visit. Opinions expressed here are protected free speech under the First Amendment to the U.S. Constitution. We apologize if you were offended, but we retract nothing. Background music credits to Jason Shaw and Audionautix. This program was produced at Studio 63, copyright 2021, all rights reserved. We'll see you next time.